0: All right, I think we're back. I think we're live now. hey Christian and Dennis, booking confirmed. Episode, I don't know what it is, but you'll sh- see in the show notes. Um, we had a little hiatus for the last few weeks or so, uh, but back, we are baby. we are back in the room, in the lab, recording. Um, finish your finish your thought. You were talking about Christian that the market changes, and we'll go over what we're talking about today. Like you were talking about. Uh, in the la- in the last kind of big boom, which was in the last thirty six months since COVID yeah, and the, hit, right, yeah, and the you, post
1: the post COVID boom, you didn't really have to be a great investor necessarily to get a good buy to win. No, I mean, why, was, why is that? And and this was obviously localized to like certain markets did better than others. Like you didn't want to be investing in New York City or San Francisco, yeah. you know, during COVID. Um, but you know, there's a lot of markets you know where investors and myself included. Where, you know, you just, you know, I, you, you rode that uptick, that hockey stick up yeah. in appreciation. Yeah. And kind of all strategies floated and did really well. And you could have made money on, uh, you know, your cash on cash returns. Um, you can make money on appreciation and all these different strategies that people were employing. Uh, made a lot of money and people did really well.
0: Well, I feel like because there was so much chaos with the pandemic, the people that had a little bit of grit and a little bit of risk took advantage of it, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And so it definitely took you being in the game yeah. to win at that. But now, you know, and definitely towards the end, like people got a lot more aggressive okay. with their approaches. And there was, a, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, there was less of us involved. But then towards the end, everybody and their mother was doing investing and in well, buying short-term rentals and putting all this money out.
0: Well, on, the, on that note, like when we're given, you know, free checks in the mail by the government, a lot of people were buying uh, wants, well if they're, if they're first taking care of their own need and then, but a lot of people bought new TVs, new cars, new trucks, uh, new mountain bikes, a lot of people bought a lot of stuff they had aspirations to utilize. Um, I threw all of that money directly into investments because I'm like, I don't, I don't need anything else, like the, 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 the best way to utilize this it's not free because we're all going to pay for it for the rest of our lives and our children, by the way, from the government, but the best use of that money is actually directly into a cash performing investment, and so. Uh, but you were talking about how you know, when last last go around when you and we're going to discuss this idea of a buy box and this idea of being creative, uh, creative in the midst of chaos because now like there's not necessarily a global pandemic. But there is a, a crisis in confidence in the financial system. Mm-hmm. There's a crisis going on uh, as far as what our assets are, are worth and also what commodities are worth as interest rates are going up. Um, buying pressure is, go, is being alleviated because of interest rates. And so there's the supply and demand dynamics are changing over time. Like It's a, it's a fundamentally different game. Um, and also, too, how, um, how you look at your portfolio is different now. Like when you, when you first got in, you were focused on a specific, what, what you call buy box uh, or a, a specific filter of requirements you would need to go ahead and pull the trigger on a property. And you were in the single family home game looking to make multiple doors out of, out of one, but describe generally what the, the industry term of what a buy box is to you and kind of how your buy box has changed over time.
1: Yeah. And just before I jump into that, I, I, I kind of want to wrap up that point I was getting to earlier, which is like a lot of people made a lot of money during the post-pandemic 2020, 2021, through the end of 2021. Like the market is different now. Um, and and if you look around you, all the people that were investing a ton, doing all these fix and flips, they're not out there anymore. Yeah, They've pulled back. Um, there's still a lot of investors out there and, but I will say this, like now is the time to buy, like stay, stay in the market, stay aggressive, you know, have your numbers dialed and, and maybe adjust what you're looking for. But with all these buyers out and people just sitting on their money, kind of a little scared, kind of waiting to see what happens, rates kind of keep fluctuating, people, they haven't become normalized yet. You know, even, even on this, the sell side, there's still not a lot of inventory out there, but at, this is now a buyer's market. It was a seller's market all day during COVID. You guys remember the listings, the sales, you know, there was 20 offers, you know, you had to be $40,000 over asking price to even get a counter. Mm-hmm. Now it's just you. You're the only buyer. It sits on the market 30 days, 60 days. That's not abnormal now. And, and, that, and that's
0: because... Money is more expensive to get? There's
1: a number of factors. Yes, with interest rates being higher, that's a significant factor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, so your buying power has gone way down because your, your, your payment is now probably double what it was. Pending that you're using traditional financing. Pending using traditional finance. There's a way around that, which we will discuss. Okay. And then, secondly, there's just a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. You know, markets, as we know, are dictated based a lot on consumer sentiment yep and consumer feelings. Mm-hmm. And with the with the Fed kind of kind of keep in, raising interest rates, it was only going to be a 0.5 now it's a 1.5 yeah. you know they keep talking about it going up. It's just not become normalized yet and people haven't gotten uh, uh, used to this new world that we're living in, which you know, Five, six, seven percent interest rates is not really that crazy historically, in the grand scheme of things.
0: Historically, we're talking, we're talking 15, 18 percent, right?
1: But but when you come from a world of, of, of two and three percent rates, we're just tasting most of our adult life. Yeah, and it's yep. just more the insecurity of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people out there stoking a lot of fear about a housing crash, which I don't believe is going to happen. On the whole.
0: On the whole, no. Depending on where you live, some areas are more insulated than others. So we're talking about earlier, the areas that were massively overbought and massively hyped up, they are experiencing some drastic declines, 10 to 15%. There was,
1: like, yeah. I mean, you saw this in some, you know, Seattle markets, Phoenix markets. Yeah, Austin. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Nashville to a degree. Like, some of these places that, like, really hockey sticked up really quickly during the pandemic as far as appreciation they did have a quick some of them had quick resets yep you know we're talking like 10 15 points um but now they're settling out again yeah so you know if you didn't get caught holding the bag during that yeah um, and you're underwriting correctly, it's okay to go back and buy in those markets now. Like, they're not going to drop, they're, they're probably not going to drop another 10, 15% off of what they are now. Well,
0: that's interesting the that if you if you bought in the last three years or so, how much house you bought because of how cheap the money was could have um, put you in a position to massively leverage in a positive way or massively hamstring you uh, depending on on what you bought, right? Where, where you're at. But it turning into a buyer's market in the midst of, um, the, you know, the chaos that's being spurred on by media, etc. like chaos breeds opportunity. It always will. Yeah. And it always will. If you have the eyes to see and you're looking through the right lens and the lens
1: is another term for a buy box. Yeah. And so if you're, if you're a consumer of real estate podcasts, you know, which I am like every real estate podcast you listen to, These are all investors and they are all so psyched Mm -hmm. right now because when the market was incredibly competitive and everybody was out there just throwing money around, like you couldn't the fundamentals about buying, but now it's back to fundamentals. There's just not as many people out there buying. You can actually negotiate. You can actually run your numbers, use your performance, and you can have a reasonable conversation with the seller where you don't have to come in 20 grand over asking just to be competitive. Which
0: is interesting. I mean, getting back to kind of first principles and and, and somewhat straight supply and demand dynamics enter into it as well. But also too, like we are different people now than we were pre-pandemic we're, we're, we're like our our value system, where we're at. I mean, what you've been able to build in your portfolio. You didn't have a portfolio before the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. You had you had one asset, and you built an ADU, right? Yeah. And you had a lot of during, during the pandemic. Th- during the pandemic, and you and you uh, you had a lot of, of uh, vision for the ADU in your van, but you caught vision for short term rental operating because of you. You saw the way how you how money could be leveraged through the vehicle of short term rental operating, and it momentum that you just wrote as long as you could. And you built out a really solid portfolio during that process. Fast forward, you've been independent of your day job for over, you know, 18 months or so now you're in a different kind of, you know, you're in a different level of life. You're in a different kind of place in your life. Are you still looking for the same sort of properties that you did that we were looking for? 36 months ago?
1: No, oh, uh, great question, Dennis. And, and this gets us into the conversation about a buy box and I'll share about my own personal buy box, but it's also everybody has their own buy box. There's so many different ways to skin this cap. Like there's so many different ways to do real estate. You know, most of my best friends are involved in real estate and we all do it drastically differently. Mm-hmm, yep. We all have drastically different approaches and we're all successful at it. Yep. And that's totally great. And so you kind of have to ask yourself a number of these questions about what your goals are particularly, and then how your personality fits with it and the type of lifestyle you want to live. Yeah. So those all fit really well together. So for me, um, you know, when we got started, like you said, Dennis, my goals were around how do I become financially independent covering of real estate, cover your monthly nut, right? My monthly living nut via rental income. Yes. So net rental income. So that's that. That is what we call cash flow. Milestone. Milestone one. Yeah. Milestone yeah. one was all about cash flow. How do mm-hmm. I cash flow as much money as I as I can? A, a, enough money at that point mm-hmm. in order to not have to have a W two job anymore. Yeah. And so short term rentals is a great way to cash flow a lot of money. It's a very intensive. Act. Form of real estate, it's yep. not passive, yeah, at all. But you can cash flow the max amount of money via short-term rentals. And and you say active versus passive, that's that's yes,
0: in a number of different senses. Uh, how emotionally involved you are, uh, how how much you're involved in the build. Are you outsourcing any of the and the, the contractors? Are you outsourcing some of the management? Like it it is there is. Anything worth, worth doing is going to have, you have to count the costs and there's an opportunity cost to go into short term rental operators. And the vast majority of people will never, never be full-time rental operators. They just, they just won't be from a lifestyle standpoint. Now may, there's a lot of people when they get into retirement, they get into full-time management of their investments, which part of that could be part of their portfolio could be property. But this idea of within 12 months or so finding the types of opportunities and, and what you're talking about earlier matters because real estate, you mentioned we have a lot of friends doing a lot of different types of, re- of real estate. Real estate is a very flexible industry. It gives you a lot of opportunity depending on your value system, on how involved you want to be, um, on your vision for yourself and your family, uh, and also your goals over time. But goals change just like the markets change because markets are just made up of people Feeling feelings and acting according to those feelings most of the time.
1: Yeah. And and strategies change yep. based on markets mm-hmm. as well. And so so even like just to describe a couple different types of buy boxes, like just within what I was just describing, just in the single family space. Yeah. So, so one, just looking at single family, and this kind of goes for, for all properties, but the condition the property is at purchase, mm-hmm. right? So you can buy something that is turnkey. Yep. Um, and you could buy something that's super dial turnkey. Yep. You know, super vibey, like all the way finish. Yep. Don't want to plug something, but I am selling something right now in if Mount Shasta. Interesting. Turnkey, vibey, short. Already perform so, what's your cash on cash? Forty-four percent. Forty-four percent. Know your numbers, baby. Know yeah. your numbers, okay? Um so so you can buy something like that, mm-hmm. which the benefits of that is 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 we were discussing this earlier, very small cash outlay. Because you're not putting in the rehab cost. You're not putting in the rehab tax. Yeah. You're just coming up with a down payment. That's right. For this property. If that. There's other options. That's right. So there's that. And then there's, you know, you can buy something that maybe needs a little bit of remodel work, like yeah. some yeah. updating, cosmetic stuff. Maybe you're thinking 10 to 15 grand. Yep. And, you know, And then it could go all the way down to like full blown remodel. From the you know, gut job. Yeah, for sure. And you're paying an appropriate cut. Co- price based on the condition of the home, yep. but you're also, uh, you also have to ask yourself, what appetite do I have for fixing? Yeah. Um, do I want to be do I want, Am I, the kind of real estate investor where, Hey, I've got a job, I've got a life, but I have capital and I'm willing to spend that capital on something that's already ready. Maybe you just buy new homes, mm-hmm. maybe buy something brand new, you know, or something that's already been remodeled. You buy it from flippers. You yep. buy something that's dialed. But if you have more time and appetite and maybe you have less capital, Mm -hmm. but you want more appreciation, forced appreciation, immediate appreciation, not based on the market, but because you bought it at a discounted rate Mm -hmm. because it needed work and the the amount of money you put into it, your after repair value will will be higher if you run your numbers right than what you've got into it. So you've got forced appreciation based off the work. You're getting paid to do the work.
0: Which forced appreciation, you know, I, I feel like you and I have always looked at as kind of the dark horse in the whole equation, right? As of not only can we get it livable, uh, how much does it need to be livable, but also like the, the style and the vibe that, that we bring is a, a particular one that's going to attract people like ourselves, which is uh, upper middle class working professionals and they're going to come and pay a premium for an experience that is an expression of who we are. Right. Yeah. And that's different. And you have the other side of like, Hey, beige countertops off white walls, bare minimum, basically like starter apartment status level upgrades. I'm, I'm, I'm using finger quotes for upgrades, but bare minimum, just to get it rented. That's there's two different spectrums. One's going to require a higher premium from a nightly and a weekly and a monthly rental than the other.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm with you. And I like that art side of it. And I think that's fun. The creativity of it, you know, kind of, you know, you're not, you're not designing a new house from scratch, but when you remodel it and the more aggressive you get in your model, you get to make a lot of choices it, and you get to be creative. You it, get to bring in some pizzazz and some vibe and like, like cast a vision for something and yeah. even change things. You have opportunities to make changes and like cool, unique features yeah. that draw people. Well, we talk about vision and values a lot. Right when it comes to it, and there's some there's some times where I look
0: at a property and my vision is too big for the bones and the makeup of the space that it is. Right, I, I'm asking too much of the space. Meaning, like I like funky house. My house is a, is a mid century split story. You walk into the top story, there's a staircase in the middle of the freaking great room. Right, it's yes. weird, but it's super cool to me. And but I have a high risk tolerance paired with I'm super low compliant. So I like the challenge. I like the challenge, the design challenge. And also, too, the way my brain works, I walk into a space and I immediately see what walls to put in, what walls to remove, like how how to optimize it. And I always say, hey, let's do, let's maximize within reason and budget. Like, let's maximize, let's do right by the space that we're given. But I actually look for, I look for the weird design, I look for the slanted roof, I look for the adjacent whatever you know sunroom, I, I look for the potential and I cast vision on it, and then I put the kind of, we talk about buy boxes, like, you know, the four walls of the buy box, I try to put constraints on me, but most people are afraid if it's non-conventional, three, to 12 to 1500 square feet, a rectangle, right? That a lot of people don't, you know, they don't really look for that additional variable of risk where I'm like, hey, the more unique I can make it, as long as I can pay for it and as long as it costs me any more why not be a unique because it's going to be more memorable for from an experiential standpoint
1: yeah and i think that brings up a really good point like for you on your buy box like you're willing to think outside the box no pun intended and pun intended and and you like it yeah and it's fun for you and 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 honestly it, you probably got that house at a discount yep. because of it Cause it was weird. Cause it was a weird house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so the average buyer that goes in there is like, no, I just want a normal ranch style or a normal two story home, you know, and, and so they were looking for something specific. Yeah. And, and this house, although cool and unique, yeah. didn't fit it. So you're able to get it at a discount. I know there's a lot of people that, you know, are doing short term rentals that, they only buy weird stuff. Yeah, because yeah. that's like something they're looking for. Is like, yeah. I want something that's going to stand out. Yeah, it's going to be. I just don't want a normal house. Then mm. I have to compete against all the other normal houses. That's right. I want something unique. Yeah, something different. Yeah. When, and I, I mean, the
0: my house was on the market for three or four months in a up market, and I thought it was weird because it was a it was a massive house, but it was weird. It was in a great location, but it was from the you know 1970s and 1980s. It had never been updated. Super high end bet for back then. But I looked at it yellow shag, multiple layers of wallpaper, like all of it was super old, super old and weird. And so people at in the in you know at that point that the, the price that it was listed at was not it was in the three to four hundred thousand dollar range, which in Reading you people want to turn key for that price range. And I specifically looked for above what I could afford that was older because what my value, so my box was location first was it somewhere where I thought was really rad. It was, and it's right on the river trail in Reading. Um, the actual like, you know, what kind of buy I could get it for? And I got it for 285, which is a killer steal for the, you know, 2,700 square foot house. And I got to make all the design choices to renovate it for me personally, in my buy box, my design aesthetic and my expression and my wife's expression of ourselves, let it be first and foremost, and the place I'm going to live and spend most of my time. That was part of my buy box. And whereas I, if I'm going to live in the place, I know we're not talking about places that we live, but places also that you're buying to short-term rental operate, they're going to be an expression of you, whether you want it to or not. If you're going to put anything into it, unless it's totally turnkey and it's a purely performing asset, if you're doing any forced appreciation, which I think is again, a dark, one, it, it, it's a, People underestimate the value of forced appreciation. It's going to be a reflection of you if you do any forced appreciation or uh, to it at all, right?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, so that's one part of it is just, you know, we just kind of described like like what condition is the property in, which yeah. is also dependent on, you know, your lifestyle, your job, your appetite, um, you know, for 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 rehab work. Mm-hmm. Um and and if you're going to get any forced depreciation, or you're just going to buy things turnkey, and also your cash outlay. So those are all things to consider on that side. Another another side of it um, to consider is is what type of usage do you want to use it for? Are we talking long term rental? Is this a is this a home that you know a single family home? You're trying to buy. You've got another job that's a you know really good salary, and you're just trying to invest money for the long term, you're looking at this like 25 year horizon, 30 year horizon. Great. You get an investment mortgage on it, you know, at 30 year investment mortgage. And you're thinking that this is a retirement house. Mm-hmm. As long as this cash flows positive and I don't need to make much money. I just need to cover, yeah. you know, for the next 30 years. Okay, great. It's paid off in 30 years. Yep. And now this, you know, $250,000 house that I bought is now worth, you know, five to 700,000 depending on appreciation. Awesome. Five to seven hundred thousand dollar retirement fund that's right for you. You can sell it, you can keep it, you can rent it, it just cash flows positive at that point. You can do a lot of things with it. Um, so that's like a long term play, or you can do some of the stuff that we do in short term rentals where you're either doing a short term rental play mm-hmm. or a mid term rental play we are yep. doing 30 nights and both of them are going to give you a premium, yeah, on the rental, the short term more. Um, but those are just different things you're looking for. Um, and then there's a whole, you know, there's obviously other types of, if you're not just holding it, this might be a fix and flip property, which is another business model.
0: So how short or long term you want from an investment standpoint, I think it goes back to this idea of, of you need a strategy. If you're going to be in the game, you need to know the rules of the game. You know where the boundaries are at. But you need to know yourself in order to figure out what your strategy is to, what it, to the current market conditions and what game you want to play. So you're talking about single family You talk about forced appreciation, you talk about commercial short-term rental, mixed use, multifamily, like there's so many different plays that you could do based off of where you're at. Um, You have to know what's right for you, but your buy box has changed. You've created a portfolio of mostly single family units. Now you have an outlier of the ski lodge in Mount Shasta, which is an eight, right? Eight. Yeah. Eight units. But the majority of your portfolio assets are single family because when you started you were an owner of a single family and the the market conditions dictated that I'm gonna go find unique buys that I can that I can force appreciation to and what was accessible to you at that time was additional single-family homes right
1: yeah and so I have I have currently six properties uh, five of the six are single-family homes um, four of those five have guest houses on yep. them or guest units.
0: Yes. Guest unit. And, uh, and, and really real quick, the, the difference between a guest unit, a, uh, ADU and a junior ADU for the audience.
1: Yeah. So these are some just nuanced terms. So a traditional, you know, what you would call a guest house, um, or a mother-in-law house, uh, cottage. Yep. Um, so that would be typically a detached unit, right? So, Um, A detached one bed or two bedroom unit, um, you know, may have a full kitchen, uh, may not, may have a kitchenette, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, but it's on your property, but detached. Um, And then kind of a guest, what you call maybe a guest suite Mm -hmm. would be an attached version of that. And and the guest suite may may also have a kitchenette, uh, probably not, but it's going to share a wall. Maybe there's a connection into the house. It could also have a separate entrance. Um, and then the term ADU and junior ADU or more uh, new terms. And these are terms uh, specific to California, but there's other states that are using them as well. Uh, ADU means accessory dwelling unit and junior ADU JADU, just means junior accessory dwelling unit. So an ADU in California is deemed a, a thousand square feet uh, or less. It can be attached or detached mm-hmm. from the house. You can also convert garages into ADUs or, um, or they can be, um, just, uh, you can build new units, but it's a, it's a, it has a, a separate entrance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in junior ADU has to be attached to the house. Um, it can be 500 feet or less a hallway or a breezeway attachment. Um, yeah, it can have a separate entrance as yeah. well. Okay. Um, I, I think there's ways you can get away. Like you can, you can put a door to attach it, but then keep that door locked. Got it. If you want to have it as a separate thing. Um, but there is, if you do ADU and a junior ADU on a single family home, uh, there is a, um, uh, there, there has been a deed restriction attached to it where the owner has to live in one of the units. Okay. Um, but now there's a whole new, the new term SB nine is a uh, Senate bill. Nine is a new bill that just came out in 2022. That now allows for single-family homes to be essentially be split into four units, and even with a potential lot split, okay. um, as as a live-in owner investor right. of that property. So there's all these terms of different things. You can't really build guest houses anymore.
0: Well, you can. They're super expensive. They're like new yeah. builds, right? They're new new builds. Yeah, it's like so, a new build, So yeah. if, if you are wanting to do that, you're signing up for a, a bill for sure. Um, that may that there are probably easier paths to revenue. Now, if you just want to build a, a unit, a, a new build, you're more than welcome to. But as far as conversion, conversion and path to Performa, um, we're looking for ADU. And that's what California's um, regulations, that's what they're trying to encourage. They're so yeah. trying to encourage density.
1: Yeah, but just one thing to specify. So this is, these are, this is the ADU, junior ADU play from California standpoint is all about long-term density.
0: Long-term is 30 days or more.
1: Yeah. So you you legally cannot short-term rent an ADU at any point. No. Illegally, you can do it. But legally, it has to be 30 days or more, which is what I do, Mm -hmm. which you still get a premium if you do it fully furnished, utilities included, and you just get traveling, nurses, traveling working professionals, people coming through your area who want to rent something for a month, three, four months, but... Don't want to, you know, get into a lease.
0: So on that note, though, it's not the ADU that makes your your current buys that I know about valuable. Uh, so for the listeners, you, you know, Christian is, has bought multiple properties, houses with with either attached or detached garages, knowing that the garages are going to be the ADU. The the yes, they're going to perform well, but the really is is convert the garage into an ADU, get the nightly, the stability of the thirty day rentals. But really focusing on the nightly rental of the house that's attached to it, so it's yeah. more of a reverse. It's a reverse play on getting the nightly rental by buying the house by, by by converting the ADU. So yes, you're adding an additional door, but the additional door is not going to perform as well as the nightly if it's managed correctly, right? Yeah,
1: your your ADU, you know, depending on location and and what it is, you know, can get you, you know, twelve. Twelve hundred, uh, you know, twenty twenty-three hundred, yeah, probably on the higher side, yep, yeah. um, a, you know, a month, yeah, but your house, you know, depending on what it is as well, you know, can get you three grand, even if it's a two-bedroom, yeah, you know, three grand to six grand, seven grand, you know, no nine nine grand, and, you and know, if it's a if it's something bigger,
0: and it's something to call out, like everyone's buy box. Well, I say my buy box. I'll speak for myself. My buy box is dictated based off of what my Debt to income ratio is based off my monthly expenses based on what I need the property to perform at, right? What I, what I need to do and be conservative in your numbers and your estimates, because a lot of people get underwater because they, they believe that they can turn a property over in 30 days or 60 days or 90 days and get it performing after they buy it. There's a lot of assumptions that go into this. And I think there's a whole episode of, Hey, getting into the game, what assumptions I had versus reality versus how much time and resources I had to invest in it. But I mean, there's there there's a lot of fine print when it gets into this, you know specific scenarios that we go through. But
1: yeah, so I just want to clarify yeah. one thing, like on on the buy box, a couple of ways to think about it. Like one is just like, what's the category of property you want to buy, right? So 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 are you looking at it to be a long term rental? Are yeah. you looking at it to be a short term rental? Is it is this a is this a, a short term rental with a potential ADU conversion? you yeah. know? Um uh, there's a lot of or is this a fixing flip? Mm-hmm. You know? Um are you a wholesaler? Yeah. You know? Not to don't like wholesalers, but are you a wholesaler? You know, and you're just trying to get an assignment fee on this thing. Yep. You know? Um and so there's there's a lot of different ways to do it. So you kind of think of category, but then what Dennis was just talking about is then you gotta actually have some criteria of like what numbers you are looking for. Yeah. Like what's your what's the type of returns? that you're looking for. And you got to know how to underwrite these deals. Meaning you got to know like what, what is the price you should be paying for this product? Um, Like finding good deals. So if you know the price, how to find a good deal, but then you also got to know if it is a fix and flip, what kind of expenses are you going to have on the remodel side? That's the hardest part. I think in where a lot of new investors go wrong is they just don't know how to price, how to price the rehab costs. Well, and we were thinking of calling this up
0: to like you, know, you know, let's get creative. So creative financing. But the, the more that, that people, how do I say it? Um, not outsource, but like people assume that you need to have a real estate agent to find a house. They need to assume that you need to use traditional financing to buy a house. They, they're all these assumptions cause that's what we were taught. We were taught that, no, this is how you acquire a property. And this is the rules that you follow when in reality, there are no rules reality is our, there's, there's owners and there's renters. Those are facts. If you are an owner, you get to decide whether you want to sell. If you're a buyer, all you can do is figure out what the seller wants to sell it for and if they have willingness to sell the property. If you don't have a willing seller, you don't have a deal. But in reality, if, if you can find a willing seller and that willingness can be forced through crisis, it can be forced through divorce, it can be forced through uh, whatever, right? If you can find a willing seller to start a conversation, and it's really, in my personal experience in sales for 15 years, if you can get into their personal space, if I can have a conversation over coffee about what their goals are, about their assets, you can start having a real creative conversation around the transfer of an asset or a note, which is different than financing,
1: right? Yeah, and so this is, this is getting into uh, new ways alternative ways to buy. And so in this, uh, just to kind of, we're kind of transitioning here more into, once you find a property that fits in your buy box and you say, okay, I like this property, the numbers work, um, but you know, you're like, well, particularly in this market, you're like, my interest rate is super high. Well, on that note, the market has changed. So the market's changing. So
0: personal value is one thing. My, my personal strategy, given what I believe the market conditions are, are another thing. But every six, what, three, six, nine months or so, assessing the strategy to say, hey, how am I going to adjust to the market changing? Because interest rates going up by half a percent is one thing. Them going up by 4% is a whole other thing under how to assess how to invest. And what opportunities should look like
1: based off my buy box. Yeah. And so creative financing is just a a kind of another layer to put on top of whatever your current strategy is. So you can still do all these other strategies, Mm -hmm. you know, but creative financing is just a way to get the deal to pencil better for you as the buyer. Um, And so this could be, maybe you don't have as much capital available um, to put into a down payment or... Or maybe it just, you know, maybe it's still pencils, but maybe you want it to pencil better.
0: So let, let, let's roll through it, right? Um, all cash, if you can do it, that's, that's a way to finance something, right? Uh, owner carry is another way. I'm talking about r- r- risk on asset is what I'm talking about. The different ways, the traditional financing realms, right? Of what goes into it based off your buy box. Um, owner carry is another way. Uh, and then it, And then it's, if you're not going to use, there's hard money. I guess you could use hard money if you want. And then there's traditional loan, loan products, and there's various amounts of those. And then there's this idea of alternative financing, which a lot of people don't even know about. I don't know a lot of, about, about them. You're learning about them. But this idea of, is, is there is it possible to come to the table with minimal to very little cash on hand, cash down, acquire probably... A, a good amount of property that can be performing immediately, so your risk gets get you know higher risk, higher reward. But higher risk doesn't necessarily happen necessi- to necessitate a, d- a diminishing of your uh, your cash on cash or your return or your performa, right? But you have to think differently and be and be willing to go outside of the tradition to traditional routes of securing capital to go acquire an asset,
1: right? Yeah. So let let's back up a sec. And let's talk about why do banks require a down payment. That's a good that's a good question. Yeah. Why? Because they want you to have skin in the game. They want you to have something to lose. You want to be invested. They want and to be invested. If you walk away, i.e. declare they want, bankruptcy, they wanna make money. They wanna take your money. Yeah. yeah. Or your property. Yeah. Both. Yeah. They're gonna get both yep. if you declare bankruptcy. Yep. Yep. So the bank is essentially lending like the bank is financing the deal. And you're putting in 20%, 25%, 30%, sometimes 10%. Mm-hmm. You know, Or if you got some kind of EH loan, yeah, something even less. Yep. Maybe zero down. Yep. Um, and then the bank is financing the rest. And if you default on your mortgage, meaning you don't pay it anymore, they get the property. And then they have to sell it, which is a pain in the butt for them. So they don't want to do that. They want you to keep paying, making payments, and you're paying an interest on it yep. as well, which is they front load their interest so they make money on you up front. Yeah. Um, uh, which is which is part of the deal if you go through financing. Yep. Uh, it's called an amateurization schedule. Look it up. Um but there is also, for, for me personally, even with that in mind, and, and, it, and some, some people are, like if you're kind of the Dame, Dave Ramsey camp of real estate, you know, Dave Ramsey would probably say pay off your house in full, you know, because he doesn't want you to have any debt yeah, because that, that eliminates risk, debt, yep. right? Mm-hmm. But you are also putting a ton of capital. The, into this home yeah. that you were living in yeah. that makes you no money that you can't reuse and you're wrapping that up yeah. and you can't use it mm-hmm. so you're in my mind wasting a ton of potential now you're 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 safe you're totally safe and if the market changes you're protected but you especially when especially when money is cheap yep when interest rates are cheap you were not utilizing leverage optimally to grow your wealth. Well, sa- safety
0: also ne- necessitates you staying at your day job. It necessitates you, your, your lifestyle. Stay, staying. What are you doing? What you deal with your life? Um, it necessitates you maintaining the amount of risk.
1: Um,
0: no, uh, it, we, we can say it out later. Uh, edit. Um, it necessitates you maintaining a lifestyle that has gotten you to this point, meaning that if you're in a 30 year fixed and you want to pay it off, you're going to need the same amount of monthly income to pay that mortgage off of. And if you're not leveraging it to go out and replace your current income, you're kind of stuck doing the same thing you're doing that got you here, which is really not the audience that I, you know, I think we're making the content for. We're looking for people to think differently, who want to live differently, that want to uh, understand risk versus reward, and start leveraging that risk to, risk to hopefully come out with a different outcome, which would be financial independence via short-term rental operating, or at least short-term rental operating is a is a good part of their of their monthly strategy to fund their life that they want to live, right? Um, so, creative financing. What are you learning about creative financing? And I also want you to talk about how your buy box has changed. Now that you've built out a portfolio of short-term rental uh, short-term rentals that are primarily within the, uh, the realm of, of single-family units, like you, you you know you you have a you have a portfolio of of a single asset class, you could say. If Single-family units versus commercial are two different asset classes of, of short-term rentals. Yeah, residential, residential, or yeah. mixed use, right? If I, if you if you consider single-family versus multifamily, each one of those is our asset class your portfolios is, is heavily weighted. We use my, our, our friend and financial advisors terminology, heavily weighted towards sort of single family homes. And so uh, creative financing want you hit on cause we're about 40 minutes into this thing. Um, and then how has your buy box changed as the markets changed? And what are you looking to do now? Cause you, you've created a floor for yourself. You've created, you've created a, a platform where you can live. You don't have to do anything else. You could stay, you could say, pat right now and know, know pretty much the range of the lifestyle you can live based off the monthly income you've created for yourself.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, I just want to touch, touch on a couple kind of financing points that I think are really important. So from a financing standpoint, my goal is always to go in with as little down as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got one note at 10%. Love it. Great note. You know, you bring... Twenty grand down to the deal. You can put a bunch of money into the rehab. It still performs really well from a cash on cash standpoint, and that matters for me. Yeah. Because I'm not out there raising money. Yeah. From I have I have some partners on deals, but I'm not raising money with like syndicates or yep. finding investors. That's not something I've gone to at this point. That's a whole strategy too. Yep. But I'm financing the deals at least either in full or partly by my are with with partners. And so I have a limited amount of capital. Yeah. And so I want to maximize the capital that I have. So yeah. I want to put as little into the deal as possible, as little cash and have that cash perform incredibly well. Mm-hmm. So the way these deals perform, if you put a hundred percent of cash into these deals and you're netting, uh, you know, X amount, but you're only you know, you're only you're only returning, you know, say five or ten percent. You got a ton of cash in the deal. Yeah. But if you've got a smaller amount of cash in the deal, and it's it's still you know grossing the same amount, and sure you have other expenses, do you have a note on it, and you yeah. have an interest payment? But it's like you're actually your return is more in the fifty percent mm-hmm. cash on cash. So you're maximizing. With the capital you have, you can get more deals. Instead of putting all your money into one deal, you can get a bunch of deals. I'm no math major, but 50% returns, better than 10% returns. Exactly. And so with creative financing, and so this market is unique right now. So I said earlier, it's now a buyer's market. It was a seller's market, which means you can start to dictate terms. As a buyer, you can ask for terms. You can say, hey, seller, I will pay the number you're looking for, but I need you to give me terms. And they say, What is that? Well, um I'd like you to seller finance this deal to me. Mm -hmm. Instead of me going and get a note and have to pay six or seven percent for a current note, this seller's got a note for three percent. Yeah. You carry your note, seller. Yeah. And I'm gonna pay you uh three percent interest, or maybe zero percent interest. Yeah. You dictate the terms. I'm, and I'm going to bring zero down. I'm not going to pay you anything up front. Yeah. I'm just going to pay you over time. Yep. And you're going to get a larger monthly check from me. So I have I have less risk. Um, I don't have to bring less to the table. I can cash flow immediately. And you can put some really creative clauses in the contract where performance deeds, where, you know, if the deed... You know, if the deed does go to you, if you sign this deal, but it can be a performance clause that gives a seller, um, you know, some protection where, Hey, if you don't pay for 30 days, it goes back to him.
0: Which is, it's it's interesting because when you talk about creative financing, it's turning the owner of a property into the bank, landlord right. to lender, landlord to <laughs> lender, and which, that's your pitch which landlord to lender, which is important because most people, whether they're buying or selling. We use the traditional banking system as a safety net or a blanket because, Hey, this is the way that has been done. This is the way that it always works. We understand that, you know, they're going to, they're going to create some stability. They're going to pay a payment schedule and amortization schedule. They're going to take care of all the work, right? But they're also assuming the risk when in reality, it's really just a matter of transfer of assets. And if, and you know, if we can agree on terms, there's no reason why we can't cut out multiple layers of the process. And every layer cut out, we're cutting out fees for both of us. And so if you have someone who is not only willing to think alternatively like you are, there's always a conversation I believe to be had. Again, it goes back to willing seller and willing buyer. It really comes back to, to that. It really comes also down to what qualification qual- qualification questions am I asking when I get access to a seller and that, and you might not even know that they're wanting to sell. They might not even know they're they're wanting to sell either. And this is the idea of going back to every interaction you have, deal with the person in front of you, be respectful, ask, ask thoughtful questions about who they are, where they're at in life, what their goals are, and you don't know what's going to come of it. Take every opportunity interaction as a literal business opportunity that could lead somewhere. Now, if it doesn't, that's fine too. I had an experience just recently where I saw a, paint, uh, a painting crew outside of a house, I asked my friend to give me the public record on who owns it. I found out who they... I used that public record to search them out and stock them on the internet and LinkedIn. Turns out they work for a local friend of mine. I reached out to them on LinkedIn and I texted them directly and said, hey, are you selling your house? And they said, hey, we're, we're painting it to, to actually do short-term rental, but we've also talked about reselling it too. And I'm like, would love to talk with you. Now, it only took me literally... 10 minutes to do 10 minutes of extra work to figure out who this person was. And I might've saved myself literally like tens of thousands of dollars if I wanted to acquire this property. Now risk versus reward. Now, was he looking to sell? He may not looking to sell, but that's where the opportunity is too. The opportunity is getting creative, not just to acquiring capital, but also how we're thinking, getting creative to how am I thinking about finding the deal, finding the deal. I can't even start enter into a creative conversation around acquisition. If I don't find the deal first, now you found deals and you're listening to content creators that are finding deals and thinking about it differently. Um, you're, you know, you're thinking about changing your buy box based off this new paradigm of funding, right? Because this idea of how much cash you have on hand, because a lot of your cash is tied up in mortgages. And so you, you don't have a lot of, now Now, all, all you would have to do is wait and accumulate capital, but that could take more time than you might want. But with this new
1: funding paradigm, how is your buy box changing? Yeah, you can look for different things. And so I, I'm also looking for different types of properties now. Um, so, so you know, as, as we've talked about, I, I have a lot of single families. I do have one uh, multi-family, which is actually a response of, of the shift of my paradigm in my buy box. So, um, one of the things that I saw, particularly in Mount Shasta, where we have some property, um, was there was a conversation, which actually it all fell apart within the city, but there was conversation within the city council and the planning commission about regulation. Yeah, over short-term rentals. They were moving this forward in kind of a grand plan for the city and then the whole thing fell apart. People got fired. Good. It was a mess. Good. Incompetency. Uh, yeah. yeah. But um, they were talking about just like eliminating it almost completely. Like a handful of rentals left. Uh, 35 was the total rentals they were going to have in the city. Now per capita, there's only 3,000 people. Yeah, there's not there. a lot of people. So That's, that is like 3% yeah, it makes sense. of inventory. Yeah. Um in the city itself. We're not talking about the surrounding County, but I saw this as an opportunity. Like, like what kind of, okay. So if they are, and it looks like they're going to go this direction, even though they haven't fully, there's a moratorium right now on new permits, but um, I think they will move in this direction. Um, And so I was like, well, let's look for properties that are close to what a short term rental product product can provide. Mm -hmm. But is outside of short term rental regulation. French. So French properties. Yeah. And so, you know, a hotel is a room, you know, in a building Mm -hmm. that's usually just a, you know, kind of studio style room with a bathroom, right? And so there's kind of the hotel industry, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, is there. And then there's single family homes, which is going to be regulated. And so I was looking for something that was in the middle. And so I, you know, found this property that was zoned and used in a way that was outside of that spectrum. Uh It's standalone units, anywhere from studios to three bedrooms. There's eight of them, but they have full kitchens. Uh There's a backyard where we have hammocks and Adirondack chairs and, you know, great view. And it's unique. It's unique. It's it's memorable. And you've made it something from
0: a rundown, uh, old ski lodge apartments shack. shack to a destination that people are going to remember and that gets
1: super high ratings and rents really well. Yeah. And so we had to, we did a lot of work on the front end. Mm -hmm. It's actually in the County talking to the County about, about its historic usage, its historic permit. Um, And so there's a lot of like, we spent a lot of time myself and my partner on this one um, doing the front end work, which front end work, by the way,
0: uh, for people who are listening, it's called gamesmanship or salesmanship, because going back to, there are no rules and the point the, the points don't matter. Like the people who work in government, they are compliance based workers. They're going to follow the rules in the book that they were given when they were hired, usually high compliance. They want high amounts of safety. They want to make sure they're within the, the boundaries that, that are given to them. But if you can present a business case, that's profitable to the city and, and it's, it's gamesmanship. It's saying, Hey, I understand that these are the boundaries, but you know, right now my building isn't within any boundary or definition you have. I suggest that it, it it can comply to these requirements. And what Christian and his partner did is they put forth a business case that benefited the city that was outside of the normal. So they couldn't be defined. There's, there's, there's margin and mystery. And so they found a property that that wasn't quite conforming to single family or multifamily. It wasn't quite conforming to a hotel. It was somewhere in the middle. And they found something. I'm assuming deep in the bylaws, it was that the, had, had to do with, with a, a boarding house. With a boarding house. And this is this goes into cr- to, to creative research, right? This is the idea of like there's always opportunity, right? There's always opportunity to go get, but you have to have a little gamesmanship. You have to have a little salesmanship. And I'm not, you know, in in sales, you know, uh, you know, a creative lie is called sales truth, but it's not sales truth. We're not sales truthing them. It it actually can it it can be used as this, but it has to have your vision and your conviction and bring it forth and get it approved by your local regulations or regulators to make it be law.
1: Yeah. And so this, this, this is a great segue into like what my buy box is right now and how it's changed. How's it changed? Well, so, so now I, I love this property. And this property cash flows really good. Yeah. Um, and so essentially, you get eight units in one. How much in one mortgage. How much did you buy it for? Seven hundred and ten thousand. And then, uh, and so seven hundred ten thousand. Your next closest buy to
0: that was what you probably would house. I mean, my personal residence. Yeah, yeah, it's more than that. Okay, here. okay, all right. So, but but it was a It was a significant asking price. I mean. As far as buying, but for but eight, units, eight units, but for eight <laughs> units, a density that's out
1: outweighed all of it, right? And and they're not just eight single units. I mean, they're eight they're eight houses. Like you have a couple there's, that are are I mean, 1,500 square feet. Like the smallest one is four hundred square feet. Yeah, man, you bought you eight, eight houses, and the biggest one's two thousand. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I
0: mean, they're, they're, there's 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 some, but that's unique to to what you found and the risk that it took. You saw past the crappy renters. You bought you passed the old outdated appliances. You, you saw oh, your yeah.
1: all about what it could be. We had to do a lot of work. Yeah. We did a lot of work, got a lot of people out. Yeah. Like it took some time, like for sure. Now it's all done. Now it's all dialed. But your buy box. But like, so I am looking for like the cracks. Like, so I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to like scale my business into this massive thing. This like, I'm not trying to become this massive company. I'm looking for specific properties. Like, and if I can look at each property my buddy told me this the other day, I really liked it. He said, like, I look at each property as like a life producer. Like if that property can make a return for me that can cover me and my wife, like our life, like that's a good deal. Yeah. Like if I can net that each month, Mm -hmm. like... I want each deal to be that. Well, and that's, then you just stack these on top and then you're just doubling up. Well, and that's different to where everyone's at. I mean, we've had another
0: friend that says, Hey, if it cashless is five, $500 or more a month, I keep it. If
1: it doesn't, I sell it. And then that, and that's a clear line that they have. Right. Yeah, so those are, those are very different things. And, and so, but like, so I like this, like I'm looking, I'm, I'm much more of a local investor, not always just right here where I live. Like I have a range but I want to get to know like that municipality. Mm -hmm. I want to get to know their bylaws. I want to get to know like the feelings around short term rentals, where things are headed. I'm involved. Like I listen and go to, if I can't go to, I zoom, I zoom in, you know, now with COVID most like city council meetings or, you know, uh, planning commission meetings are online. You can listen to those things. Mm -hmm. You can comment if you want. I don't usually comment. I just listen. Like, cause I just want to know like what's happening. What's the sentiment? What's the talk? Like, what's the mood? Where, where, where are things moving? Yeah. And then you find the cracks in there. Yeah. Like, and that's where there's some like real opportunity for now and for the future. Yep. Like if you're watching that stuff, if you're listening to that stuff. And so I'm trying to find, like, I'm trying to pick up, you know, you know, boutique hotels in that space. Well, you mentioned earlier distressed distress properties or assets in markets
0: that are at risk or threatening to, to do away with their short-term rental operating permits meaning that if you can buy now and there's a potential to where all of your com- competition gets wiped out by regulation yeah the chaos of regulation the risk of regulation the high bar or the constant kind of wolf at the door whatever that is, actually is a positive versus a negative. And I could put myself into this gray area of regulation that I'm, I'm safe either way it goes. If they expand, if, uh, yeah. I'm good to go. If they take it away, I'm also good to go. So you, are thinking insult, how do I insulate
1: my monthly return based off the, the asset that I choose? Yeah, you absolutely what you don't want to buy it based on speculation that they're going to regulate. Yeah. Like if that happens and you happen to be situated in that place, Great. Yeah. If it doesn't happen, a better cash flow. Yeah. You know, it better perform for 30 30 days or more. It It better perform right now. And so when we perform at things, we perform with them in a way that, no, what what can it do right now with the current market rates? Like, Like, what can it actually do? And so, yeah. And so I have this little, you know, niche thing that I'm looking for that fits for me. Like I can take the time to spend on it. I'm not trying to like buy you know like some of these big investors. who are clo- closing ten fifteen deals a week. Like I'm not trying to do that. I can go out and do some work, do some research, find the deals, and the creative financing with the seller finance. Like to me, it's a paradigm shift because I'm like honestly, I'm pretty cash poor right now. Mm-hmm. I'm asset rich and cash poor, meaning I don't have a lot of cash to put on a down payment. Yeah. So if I buy a big, you know. Boutique hotel, you know, for a million bucks, like I'm gonna have to, you know, the, 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 and I do it conventionally, they're gonna make me pay, you know, the the commercial loan on that's gonna probably be 30% down. Yeah. I'm gonna have to come up with $300,000. I do not have $300,000 to put down. So, thus, I cannot buy that property conventionally, conventionally. That's right. Yeah. But if I can find a seller who's willing to work with me and willing to sell their finance, yeah. that changes the game. It changes now the I can potentially get into another deal that I couldn't get into if I was just only looking at, and, and this is the market to do it in. If this was in COVID, that's not the market. Yeah. Cause everybody's flush with cash. Everybody's throwing it around. Yep. People are getting asking prices way over their ask, their, their listing price. That's not the market. But right now when things are slow, Like this is the time you, it's a buyer's market. You can get creative. You can ask for terms. You can do your research. Like it's, it's in your court right now.
0: And I mean, in every situation is different and don't assume that, you know, people's lifestyle choices, right? For, for a number of reasons, people want to move to Nashville because they want to, they want, want want to get out of the game. They want, want to retire. They might want to reinvest their money somewhere else. Like, don't assume that you already know people's intentions for their own assets all you can do is ask a question all you can do is be curious all you can do is see it through uh, and see what happens uh, and with that like your buy box changes but I feel like being creative not just in your finances financing but in your uh, in your curiosity and in your investigation in your research like how many other people are gonna do that you're gonna you know to be the difference between average and excellence is like 10%. If I do 10% more work, I'm going to differentiate myself and start a conversation, maybe a year, six months, three months before that seller is even thinking about listing it. And I can get an opportunity for myself that all I did was create a process of like, no, like I'm just going to do my research. I'm going to find out who owns the property. I'm going to handwrite notes, which I've I've been doing all the time because it's part of the way that I think now everyone's different, but everyone has disposable time. Everyone has now I'm going to, I'm going to, Go back to you, Christian. You have the time because you built out a portfolio already and you've created a lifestyle of a short-term rental operator to give yourself the opportunity to research, to reassess your buy box, to actually keep tabs on what the market's doing, to have eyes and ears in different parts of the country to say, hey, what's happening there? To, to listen to different podcasts, to study, to inform yourself, to educate yourself. Like That's part of the work that it takes to stay on top of what not only the market's doing, but also
1: level setting that with your value system. Yeah. And, and I'm not, you know, a lot of the, the guys out there that are talking on podcasts, they're investors like on a different level than me. Like they're full time, you know, 80 to 100 hour a week investors just charging hard. Like they've got big teams. They're buying all time. That's not me because yeah. that's not the lifestyle I want. Yeah. I'm intentionally choosing to not do that. Because for me, like those are questions you got to ask. Like, What's your value system look like? For me, it's not about just building as much wealth as possible. It's about building wealth in a way that fits my lifestyle where I can still work out every day. I can work on my mountaineering goals that I'm I'm training for right now. I got a coach. I hired a coach. I work with a guy all the time. I take my kids to school. You hang Sometimes on, I make them breakfast. You hang out your kids in the in the afternoon time. I get to hang out with my wife during the day occasionally. Yep. Yep. You know, like like there's a lot of things I get to do that are really awesome. You know, and um, but I'm I'm not the the you know Uber like investor like real estate guy like building an empire. That's not me either. I wouldn't say that like we're not necessarily money hungry. Like
0: w- what we really want is autonomy. We want we want control over our time and we want to to make powerful decisions with, uh, with what's important to us. Right. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I would agree. We're not built. And you get to all hear the train that's going by because we're in Redding, California. Um, but it really goes back to vision and value. And do you want to continue to work your day job? Do you want to continue to work multiple jobs? Um or do you want to change it and free up and create the amount of space that's necessary to assess your life choices? And that could actually start with house hacking. That can actually start with wherever you are at. And I mean, we never want to say we would never want to put the content we're creating out of reach for the average person that's making fifty, yeah. sixty thousand dollars a year because that's who we are. And at the end of the day, like we're not looking to be world, you know, world necessarily like financial guys, we just want to own our own time and hang with our friends and work on projects we're passionate about and and have a good time. Like At the end of the day, like we're, we're not complicated in our value system. We're actually very sure in our value system. And short-term rental operators fits very squarely into our value system, which is why we can speak about it to the average person out there. And the average 20-something, 30-something, I feel like to the people who are just looking for a way out, looking for an alternative to their desk job or their day job or their blue-collar job, like there is a way out. You got to be creative. You got to have some risk. You got to have some great, you got to You got to think differently, but it's totally accessible and attainable. You got to know yourself. You got to understand your own buy box, which has to do with your value system, what you want out of this and getting creative can only put you in front of the line that's in front of you. Cause when the market's hot, everyone's looking. Mm-hmm. When there's, when there's blood in the streets, when uh, you need to be a contrary investor, which means going against your feelings. And that's super hard to do. It's No matter who you are, it's hard to do. But people made careers and the people that are in finance that are cold blooded, they're making calculated decisions about what the market's doing based off their buy box, which is the lens that they're looking for. And that's what we need to gravitate towards. I'm not saying that we're perfect at it, but you know what? We're attempting to say, hey, I want to be very clear that when, when there's a property or an opportunity that comes in the line of sight of my scope, I can pull the trigger on it and I know when that is. Yeah. Anything else that's before close-up shop? All that. right. Well, with that, we are not legal or financial advisors. <laughs> All topics discussed on this show are strictly for entertainment purposes only. You should not buy or sell anything based on what we say or write. We continue to be real estate investors for short-term rental operating operators and enjoy topics surrounding the evolution life cycle and opportunity of the ever broadening space. This project is purely for hobby and just for fun. We will see you on the next one. Christian Dennis
1: out. Have a great day. Peace. All right.